0: Welcome back, everybody, and thank you so much for logging on to PeterPowers.com. It's another rendition of A Few Extra Bucks. Our podcast, we started just a few months ago. You know, we have a lot of video updates here on PeterPowers.com, but we always have a few extra takes on the bucks, hence the title A Few Extra Bucks. I'd like to thank our producer, Justin Thomas, back in the studio. Say hi, Justin. How's it going? <laughs> and our sponsors, we appreciate them very much. House of Brews in Lutz, Florida, and Sea Dog Brewing Company, great locations in Treasure Island and Clearwater. And then I bring in my partner right now, Roy Cummings, our Buccaneer Insider, where Roy, you know, back in the day, my friend, we used to cover two a days, and now we have one a days. And today practice ended about a half hour early. And I asked Dirk Cutter this question about really the first week or so of training camp. How would you rate the first week here with these guys? Well I don't think as a coach you're ever satisfied with where you're at. Uh like how the guys are working, uh, like how their how their
1: attitude is,
0: but we still we got plenty of work to do still. So. How would you compare it to the past couple of years? Is it is it different intensity? Is it is it can you see a change at all? Uh, no, I'm, I i would not compare it because I you know I just don't look at it like that. I mean this year is this year and these guys are working hard to, to be the best we can be. Roy, he wanted no part of comparing this team to last year or the year before at all.
2: Yeah, that's not who he is. You know, he's not that kind of guy. Um, yeah. He's he's very good at kind of putting it behind you and saying, you know what, last year was last year. This is this year. It's a different team because we've got different players, um, you know, and the, the only thing that really is the same is expectations and uh, and goals. The goal is to, you know, not just make the playoffs, but win a Super Bowl and, you know, you obviously take steps to get there. but. Yeah, that's really who Dirk Cutter is, and he's a realist. And and I like that about him. I always have. I mean, he doesn't BS you with a, a no. bunch of, you know, what fans want to hear type stuff. He doesn't give you the answer you always want to hear. He's just very honest and uh, gives it to you from his gut. His gut says, hey, you know what? I can't tell you a lot. We've been at it a week. Uh, you know, I like what I see some days. I don't like what I see other days. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, let's see how we look in a, ba- in a game. I think that's what he really – you know would would say to you if he's being completely honest is you know ask me after we've asked me after i've seen three or four games uh, you know then, I, then i'll know something
0: you know cutter to me gives you the whole platter he'll, he'll be serious he'll be funny and uh, you know he'll he'll snap at you too if you ask a dumb question which i think any coach should so i think cutter unlike a lot of head coaches i mean belichick is belichick all the time i cover sean payton quite a bit He's serious for the most part. You have some coaches like Rex Ryan who are just kind of cut ups all the time. I think Cutter's kind of the good compromise. Uh, if you compare all those guys,
2: yeah, he gives you a little bit of everything, um, and I like that. I mean, I think his relationship with the media is good. Um, look, he calls us out on you know when we ask stupid questions or questions yeah. that, you know just don't have good answers to them. You know, right. um, like earlier in in training camp when when somebody said. Uh, uh, was asking about Chris Godwin and he was praising Chris Godwin and someone said, well, does that mean that Chris Godwin's going to get, you know, going to get more of a, of a look in your offense this year? And he goes, you know, if it was up to you guys, 20 guys would, would get more opportunities <laughs> in my offense, but there's only one ball, you know, and he's right. Every, you know, the thing, you know, look, there's no question as the media, if we're working on a story on say Chris Godwin, we want to ask about Chris Godwin. And if he says something that, you know, we think is going to advance that story a little bit, we're, we're going to go a little bit further and say, okay, well, does that mean he's going to have a bigger role this year? And, you know, and you don't realize sometimes until afterwards, like, well, you no, know, you can't have much, a much bigger role because gee, by the way, you still got Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans and Adam yeah. Humphries and the, Oh yeah, you got these two tight ends. So, yeah. um, you know, and by the way, we'd like to run the ball 50% of the time. So no, I can't promise you that Chris Godwin's going to have a bigger role, but, he could certainly earn one. Um, he could also uh, lose a bigger role. So, you know, and, and he's honest like that. And I like that. I appreciate that.
0: Well, he's under the hot seat. There's no doubt about it. He was under the hot seat before Jameis Winston. and I guess I can say his name this week because we didn't say it last week. So, uh, Jameis, you're back in the fold here on a few extra bucks. And, and we won't get fined if you say Jameis Winston this week, Roy. No, no fines this week, my friend. But he's under the hot seat, dirt Cutter. And Jason Light apparently was under the hot seat, but we, we heard news yesterday. Of course, the Bucks confirmed that they extended Jason Light's contract for another year, 2019. I mean, here's a general manager who's had some good drafts, not a lot of good free agents, had some good hits recently, but no playoff appearances, Roy. 22-42 record, and a lot of people around the NFL may be surprised by this. What was your take?
2: You know, I was a little bit surprised, but I was really kind of happy uh about it for a couple of reasons. Number one, and this is not in my opinion the biggest reason to be pleased with this, but I think part of the fallout now is it takes a little bit of the pressure off. Because I think what this says is, hey, this is going to be our guy, all right? For this year, next year, at least this is our guy. And there's a very good chance of what that means is that it's, you know, Dirk Cutter is going to be the guy too. And you know, to me, I think that kind of says, "Look, we're all in this together here, and we don't need a bunch of distractions being built up over the fact that, you know, the coach and the GM maybe maybe don't have contracts going forward." So right now they're under contract, and I think that's good. That's good for this team moving forward. It takes away a little bit of that uh, speculation about, you know, as you said, as we we're talking about who's on the hot seat. I don't think the seat is that hot now for uh, for Jason White. Now, look, they could still. Fire him. Uh, the Glazers have never been afraid to, you know, uh, pay some money out to guys uh, who are sitting on the sidelines. So they did it with John Gruden for years. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and also Greg Schiano and, you know, a couple others, uh, Lovey Smith. So uh, they're not afraid to do that. But the bigger thing to me is I, I think this is kind of a, a nod to Jason Light saying, you know what, Jason, it hasn't worked out yet in terms of wins and losses. But we think you've done a pretty good job building this, building this football team. And I will say this about and, – and I know what the answer would be if you asked draft. Look, there's no GM that has a perfect draft. Nobody, nobody ever bats 1,000 in the draft. And nobody ever bats 1,000 in free agency. But you show me the one free agent. I would dare anybody listening to this and feel free to, uh, to, to, to uh, Twitter me or tweet me at, um, at R. Cummings, FHCN feel free to tweet me there or, or, or give us a, a comment on our page here on the uh, A Few Extra Bucks podcast. If you can tell me the free agent that on the day they signed it and a week after and a month after, you were saying, boy, what a mess up that was. What a screwed up call that was. Why in the world would you ever do that? I promise you no one felt that way about every one of the guys who've proven to be a bust. Okay. And there have been several, but I don't think anybody at the time said people like Chris Baker, some of the others, were going to be a bust. Nobody said that. Everybody praised the moves and said this is perfect. And they did, and they did it this year too. If Bo Allen or uh, Jason Pierre-Paul or Ryan Jensen proved to be busts, uh, no one, no one predicted that on the day they were signed, and nobody's predicting them now either.
0: Well, the one thing they will light up your Twitter feed, though, and, and whoever else is—if if, if you talk Jason Light—is of course Roberto Aguayo. And I'll say this: Well, I was they, talking free agency now. Well, no, I know you were. I know you were. But they, they'll—you know—how the Twitter guys—they don't pay attention sometimes. Sure. Well, you're right. I yeah, paying, okay. I was paying attention, but but my thing is Roberto Aguayo when that when that selection happened, I I liked it. I thought, you know what? I I followed this guy at Florida State. And he looked every bit the part of a guy. If you could bring in a player in the second round who's going to be your starter the next ten years, I'm all in. And you know, you could call me crazy—a kicker in the second round. But Jason Light's made some moves that you can question. I, you have—you bring up a great point, though. No bonehead moves on the surface when he made them. But Roberto Aguayo—he gets a lot of flack for that, Roy. But I didn't have a problem with it when he did it.
2: I didn't either. I'm on record as saying it repeatedly. I'm with you 100%, Mike. And here's the reason why. Go back and look at the season before with the Buccaneers. They lost games because they had no kicking situation. Their kicking situation was a disaster. They had no kicker. They went and got the best kicker in college football history. Yes. And yes. if, tell me this, and, and I'm so, I understand, yes, you traded up to get him. You traded up in the second round again. It to get wasn't him. your only second round pick. Yeah. I know. It's a great, by the way, it wasn't your only second round pick. Noah Spence was the other. And it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like there wasn't a reason that they did it. They had good intel that somebody else was going to pick up Roberto Aguayo in that second round that they weren't going to get a shot at him in the third round, and that's why they made the move. And, I guess I can understand why some people would say, well, then, you know what? Let somebody else have him. He's a kicker. But at the end of the day, those people don't realize that at the end of their, every season, you look at who the leading scorer is on every NFL football team, and it's the kicker. And you look at how many games are decided by one score, and it's usually – Decided by a kicker. And that is what the Bucks were trying to do. They were trying to solve a major problem. And they thought they did it with the best kicker in college football history. Now, if you had been looking for a left tackle, let's say. Uh, not, a le- not a left tackle because you would have done that in the first round. Let's say you're looking for a right guard. You haven't had a right guard for 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's been a mess. That's been the biggest hole on your team. Or an outside linebacker. Would you spend a second-round pick on him? You're sure you're, you absolutely would, especially if he was the best player at that position in the history of the game. I'm with you 100%, Mike. Never had a problem with Roberto Aguayo. Oh, by the way, as we do this podcast today, Mike, Roberto Aguayo is coming off a perfect day at camp for the Chargers, including a couple of 52- and 53-yard field goals. So um, it probably just going to take a little bit of time for Roberto Aguayo to find his range in the NFL. And, boy, if he finds it and plays for 18 years – Boyer, <laughs> wonder how the people will feel then. Of, that, that say it was a bad call to, they'll say it was a bad call to let him go then.
0: Well, that has to drive Light, light crazy though, because to me this is the classic second guess. If it works out and Aguayo's your starter, oh look at Jason Light, the foresight he had to get the kicker. What a great move! But it's so easy when you put yourself out there like that to second guess it, and you see it in the media, you see it in social media. It blows my mind. Let, let me ask you this. This is what makes podcasts fun because we can throw out hypotheticals. And I know the track record is different. But Jason Light, you know, it, he's been there a while at one-buck place. They haven't made the playoffs. They've had one winning record. If you're Mark Dominic and you see this from afar or a past GM who's, you know, around the league who's been let go, does that frustrate them? I mean, how do you think they feel? That, that I know, I know it's, it's a little different track record, but still the results haven't been there, Roy.
2: No, you're right. And look, Mark Dominic had his run, and I think Mark Dominic, uh, for example, would look at it and say that look, uh, well, first of all, and I'm on record of saying this the team that this at this time last year, Mike, everybody was talking about as you know, the darling team of the NFL. The guts of that team was drafted by Mark Dominic, Gerald McCoy, Doug Martin. Demar Dotson. that's right, me mean. yeah. yeah yeah a lot a good Levante David a lot of those players came through Mark Dominic's drafts or his ability to find players uh, and and this team also had you know had gotten rid of some of the players uh, that, that, that Mark Dominic brought in that are still were still playing in the league and still doing very well and um, you know so at the end of the day I think Mark Dominic looks at it and says hey I had my run and and i couldn't produce on the scoreboard enough uh, i had lo- losing seasons and i you know i think the the one thing mark dominic probably wishes is that you know he he'd had a little bit more success in, in picking head coaches or that the he probably wishes actually that the Glazers had been a little bit more patient with the coaches he did pick because mark dominic was the one who got stuck with the raheem morris experiment and no free agency during
0: that time either not much
2: Right. And, and by the way, Mark Dominic was the one who basically had to had to settle for Greg Schiano, And, you know, so when and, 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 you know, and then, you know, then you bring in Lovey Smith and you make changes. So uh, you look, I, I think Mark Dominic feels as if he had a pretty good run at it, uh, didn't get done what he wanted to do. And he probably accepts the responsibility. But I think at the end of the day, he's probably pretty proud of the fact that he made a lot of right calls in the draft. And free agency as well, and picked a few guys up off the uh, off the scrap heap uh, that have been NFL players uh, and been pretty good ones. So he did a pretty good job, really. Mark Dominic did. He he built a decent team. It just didn't perform on the field the way everybody expected it to.
0: Well, Roy, often you're defined by your quarterback, and, and Dominic in a lot of ways was defined by Josh Freeman. And had a promising start, and then you know, we, we <laughs> there's so many stories and rumors on what happened at the end of his career to lead to his demise. But, you know, that leads me to Jameis Winston and Jason Light. Sure, he gets the extra year. Let's say Winston comes back and they're, uh, you know, they're 5-11 and 11 again. They're 5-11. and 11. Uh, e- Even though, you know, Light should feel good about the news yesterday, if they're 5-11 and 11 and Winston doesn't play well and this team falls apart like it did a year ago, I still think they clean house, don't you?
2: Yeah, I think there's still that, that chance. You know, I think this um, is maybe as much for uh, effect as anything else, Um, you know, I don't think the Bucks are, are afraid of losing uh, Jason Light to another team just yet. But, you know, I think they're I think they're trying to just kind of say, may, you know, maybe for all it is, for all we know, maybe this is kind of an exam, uh, an admission by the Buccaneers organization, at least in terms of James Winston. Hey, you know what? We're all in on this. Exactly. You know, the Laser family. Jason Light. Because they were. Lovey Smith at the time. Right. They were all in on Jameis Winston. And they were
0: this offseason. They were all in on Jameis Winston. It, it was, yeah, Winston. It was an
2: organizational move. And, you know, again, okay, we still don't – I still think that Jameis Winston's going to be a fine NFL quarterback. He's got to straighten himself up off the field. But, you know, you could say that about a lot of players in the NFL that, that need to clean up their act off the field. And, you know – so he's not alone in that regard, and and I think in the NFL, you just it's just inherent in the job as a general manager. You are going to pick guys who just don't get it mentally, who just don't get it, who never clean themselves up off the field and get it in time because it's a man sport played by a lot of young men who are haven't matured yet, and and that's part of the problem, especially at the quarterback position. So, um, you know, I I think this is in one way maybe uh, the Glazers kind of saying, hey, look. You know, we're, we're all in on this. The, 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 the Jameis Winston call, that was all of us. And, and I think they also look at it and say, but, you know, what else do we really have to be, you know, upset about in terms of what Jason Light's done in, ter- in terms of picking this team? I mean, my God, he, d- he didn't miss on Mike Evans. He brought in Adam Humphreys. Uh, you know, uh, we, we like Donovan Smith. Uh, you know, he's done a lot of, you know, look at Ali Marpet. We think he's done, you know, Quan Alexander. I mean, he hadn't missed on too many of these guys, really. And when he does miss, he misses late, and he, and he dumps him pretty early. Yeah. Well, I, I brought up Dominic. I
0: like this is this is fodder for uh, you know training camp and, and and podcast fun, I guess. But Lovey Smith, how do you feel he feels from afar? You know, watching the way this organization has gone, it's not like he's led it up in the college ranks. Uh, it's not like he's gone on to great success, but you know. I wonder how Lovey Smith feels watching this from afar because he came in with, frankly, more power than Jason Lang.
2: Yeah, he did. And, um, you know, I think Lovey Smith is still probably bitter uh, over his dismissal, and I think he's got a right to be. You know, I, I look, I've said for a long time that whether it was Raheem Morris, Greg Shiano, Lovey Smith, if the Bucks had just stuck with a coach for any more than a couple of years, they probably would get what they're looking for. Every time you change coaches, you change systems. Every time you change systems... You change staffs, and when you change staffs and systems, you change players, and you take two steps back in the process of trying to become a Super Bowl champion. The Bucks made those big, whopping changes three, four times in an eight-year span, and and you just can't do it and expect to keep moving forward. Um, you know, I, it's one of the reasons I think they've decided to hold on to Dirk Cutter. I think they realize that you can't just keep changing coaches every two years and expect you know, to, to, that the next guy is going to suddenly get you to the playoffs. John Gruden, that's not going to happen every year. You know, John Gruden inherited a Super Bowl-ready team. Certainly, he inherited one of the greatest defenses of all time. What the Bucks have, you know, when, when Raheem Morris stepped in, when Greg Sciano stepped in, when Lovey Smith stepped in, when Dirk Cutter stepped in, was nothing close to what John Gruden inherited. And I think the, the Glazers have finally realized that. That it takes time for these coaches to develop, um, you know, their system and get players to understand and get the players that fit the system. And so I think they've finally been a little bit more patient. Hopefully it continues. And, uh, you know, hopefully Dirk Cutter this year, for the Bucks' sake, um, gives them reason to hold on to him and keep moving forward with this group. I think that would be great.
0: Well, Jason Lights definitely had a better track record. And you mentioned it in the NFL draft compared to. his predecessors as GM, except Rich McKay, which is a long time ago now. You know, two, 2015, of course, Jameis Winston, Donovan Smith, Ali Marpe, Quan Alexander. I mean, put that up against any team in the NFL, and you're you're sitting pretty. But the next year, of course, the 2016 draft, you had Vernon Hargrave. You had Noah Spence. We mentioned Aguayo, uh, Ryan Smith. You have, uh, you know, Caleb Beninock and Devonte Bond and Dan Vitale. Remember him? Yeah, I do. Vernon Hargraves, let's touch on him. I had a chance to catch up with him, and I'll say this about Vernon Hargraves. You know, we deal with athletes all the time. We've dealt with them for years, Roy Cummings, and a lot of them don't want to own up to what's being said about them outside the lines, media, social media. I really have more respect for Vernon Hargraves after talking with him after practice today. Uh, You can see our full interview in our next episode of PeterPirates.com, which we will Released tomorrow but we want to give you some snippets tonight here was a question i asked him about the competition of course vernon hargraves had a decent rookie season but took a step back a year ago with injuries inconsistencies uh, all this talk about the bucks they don't want their first round pick being the slot corner they want a shutdown corner i asked him about the team drafting two cornerbacks in mj stewart and carlton davis in the second round this year by jason light and here's what he had to say this team drafted two cornerbacks uh, in the second round. Is that motivation for you going into the season? Always,
1: always. But we also needed it, though. Like, there, there's more to the game of football than just competition. You know, we, we needed guys in the second end. We needed guys to back us up. We needed some guys to you know get us going, and um, that's what we did. Mr. Light did a great job in the draft, and uh, I'm really excited about what we have in our room.
0: He didn't say they're going to play ahead of him, though, did they? Did he? No. <laughs>
1: No,
2: you know, here's the thing about Vernon Hargraves. Very honest player when when you get him in a situation like that. Better one-on-one than he is in a group. I think he's very much more honest. But, you know, remember this. Vernon Hargraves is the, you know, he's the son of a coach. Um, A coach who's been around for a long time. He knows that the team that you're playing for today, whether it's a college team or a pro team, is always looking to find the guy to replace you. That's how the game works. That's how the system is. And he he also realizes another thing. He also realizes that the Bucs were probably fortunate that Brent Grimes agreed to come back this year. Yep. And that he knows that come next year, this team is going to be counting on Vernon Hargraves to be their best cornerback. He's going to be the one right now. They're counting on Brent Grimes and hoping that some of those kids step up and, and play well enough that, they push Vernon Hargraves to the sidelines again. That would be great. And Vernon Hargraves is probably looking at it like, look, uh, yeah, we need those guys. That's one reason they were brought in because we absolutely need them because two years from now we're going to be short a couple of guys. Uh, We're not going to have Brent Grimes and we're not, we may not have some of the, some of the others. Uh, So we need those guys, number one. And number two, uh, you know, if it pushes me, it makes me, I mean, how, how can Vernon Hargraves complain about them going out and drafting two guys even if they're meant specifically to replace him. He has to say, "Look, I earned that. I didn't play well my first year. They asked me to do other th- be more aggressive my second year. I wasn't that way and then I got hurt. So, I have failed to live up to the expectations that this organization put on me and because of that, this is what happens. You end up facing competition that maybe you didn't want, but now it's real and I got to go out and play better."
0: Well, you mentioned he's the son of a coach, and you can hear it in this interview. I was really impressed by everything he said. I asked him everything after practice today. Here are his thoughts on expectations for him and all of those critics of Vernon Hargraves. You had a, a really good rookie season. I know last year there were a lot of distractions. Uh, you know, Talk about you know what you see for yourself with this team now in year number three.
1: Um, the expectations have grown for me. They expect me to be an all-pro player. They expect me to be a Pro Bowl player. They expect me to impact the game, and that's what I plan on doing, and uh, I appreciate that. Coach Cutter, all the coaches, they, they expect highly of me, which is why I get coached so hard, which is why everything comes on me, and I appreciate it. thats That's the position I'm in, and that's the position I want to be in. So, um, like I said, I'm getting better. I'm working on it, and, uh, you know, things are... Things are looking good for us this year. And finally, when you hear your critics out there, uh, how does that affect you at all? Does that motivate you? Do you ignore it? Uh, how do you how do you handle it? Nah, you never ignore the critics. You always got to listen. Always hear what they're saying. Keep it in the back of your mind. You know, use it for motivation if you need to. But you know, you need to hear everything—the good, the bad. I'm not one to shy away from the bad. I know what I did. I know what I put. You know, I know, I know what what I did. What I've done. So, um, you know, critics don't really bother me.
2: You know what I hear when I hear that, Mike? Was well, that good? I hear Vernon Hargrave saying. You know, when I came into this league, I thought I was going to make a nice, easy transition. That's what everybody said. Nobody's more, no no cornerback in that draft was more ready to jump into the NFL and make an impact immediately than Vernon Hargraves. The only thing he had going against him was he wasn't six foot tall. And that was never a problem for him in college. And I think he honestly thought that he would make a very smooth transition and be a playmaker. And it didn't work out in year one. And as I said, it didn't really work out very much as he was playing in year two, although he got a little bit better playing in the slot, found a a bit of a niche for him there. And then he got hurt. And I think what what you heard in the beginning of that clip, Mike, is you heard Vernon Hargraves echoing what Dirk Cutter and and Jason Light and Mike Smith and his position coach have told him this year. Hey, Vernon, by the way, you know, we we drafted you in, in the first round, 11th overall. You know what that means? That means we expect you to be a Pro Bowl-caliber player. That's what your talent says you should be, an all-pro, a Pro Bowl-caliber player. It's time. And in his going to his third year, Vernon Hargraves realizes the transition's not so easy. i got to work a little bit harder at this. I'm not just going to be able to roll out there and be a Pro Bowl player. I have to work at it. I have to work hard. And what I hear in his voice is a guy who's got a work ethic determined. He's coming with his lunch pail every day. And he's gonna he's gonna play some blue collar football, and I and I think that's something that has been missing from his game. I think we're gonna see it this year, and I'm anxious to see it. But how many
0: times do you hear an athlete say, "I don't listen to the critics. I don't. I ignore all that stuff." He said, "I never ignore the critics. I don't think I, it's rare to hear that from an athlete."
2: It is because usually they try to ignore it and say, "You know, I can't listen to critics." And I would assume he's being honest because I think uh, he probably includes critics being his coaches. And, and and again, you know, you, okay, Vernon, Good point. If, Good point. if you're not listening to the critics, well, who are you listening to? Because I don't think there's anybody out there necessarily supporting you saying, Oh yeah, just keep going the way you're going because that's going to work because it's not going to work. So I think he has to listen to the critics and he has to take what they say seriously. And you know what? That's how you learn in this league. I mean, when, when, when the majority of people are telling you you're doing something wrong and and, and, you're, it's, and you're not playing at the level you're supposed to, maybe you should listen to them, see what they have to say, and just see if any of it makes any sense. And if it does, well, then take it as constructive criticism.
0: No doubt about it. Well, listen, uh, you know Vernon Hargraves, I was very impressed by the way. He did not hesitate to answer any of the questions, and was very honest. I think he was honest talking about the critics, his expectations, the competition. A, a, kind of a buzzsaw around him right now, but he seems to be handling things. Very well. Okay. We wrap things up, my friend, the way we have uh, recently with the highly anticipated three and out questions, three questions for Roy Cummings. He has not seen. We began our conversation with Jason light and we have kind of a lighter side theme in our three and out. We're going to bring He's in Jason feeling, lights, by, Men.
2: by the way, I always get the feeling. This is kind of like the whole, the old Karnak routine with uh, Johnny Carson. You know, <laughs> I have not seen these. These have, these have been on a, what in, 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 a, in, a, in a vase on Funkin' Wagnall's porch or something for the last, uh, uh, you know, for the last 24 hours? I, I, I have not seen these questions. I feel like, I you know, you, you, I should hold them up to, to my forehead before I answer
1: them.
0: You know what, though? We're hitting every demographic here because you're bringing in Johnny Carson. I think our first couple of podcasts, you, you, uh, compared Jameis Winston to Eddie Haskell. So we're we're making progress here. Yeah, right?
2: well, I I, I got to get some uh, more <laughs> modern day pop culture references. Apparently,
0: I love Eddie Haskell. All right, here's our first one. I'm talking about the the track record of Jason Light. His best move, Roy Cummings. You you've been covering this Bucks team for a long time, of course. Uh, ever since Jason Light's been here, what do you think his best move has been? Drafting Mike Evans, drafting Quan Alexander. Or picking up Jason Pierre-Paul this offseason?
2: How about that? I'm going to say Quan Alexander because uh, they took a bit of a chance um, with Quan Alexander. And, you know, but but they saw the talent. And they got him, you know, relatively cheaply. So uh, I'm going to say Quan Alexander because I think Quan Alexander one day could be easily one of the top five linebackers in the NFL. Um, He has got that kind of ability. Uh, he, he's a guy who can be a leader on this football team. He's always looking to do more. Um, he's an impact player already. This team is different without him on the field. Um, it's different without, you know, I assume it's gonna be different without Jason Pierre Paul. Certainly it's different without Mike Evans, but Mike Evans, bit of a no brainer where he, where he was seventh overall at the time. Uh, first round Jason Pierre Paul. Hey, if he's willing to come here, great. Uh, but, uh, Quan Alexander, to me, is an example of just how good the scouting staff, the college scouting staff is for the Buccaneers. I think they do a tremendous job of finding guys, um, kind of diamonds in the rough, and he's one of them. Kendall Beckwith
0: could be another one. If he can get healthy again, the way he played last year, another guy from LSU uh, drafted about the same round, too. Yep, absolutely. All right, Karnak, I have the cue card on my forehead. I know this is a podcast, but I'm giving you an image right here. We continue with our three and out, the lighter side version, our homage to Jason Light and his one-year extension. The biggest upside in the Jason Light era, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, or Vita Vea? Who has the biggest upside of those three guys, Godwin,
2: Howard, or Vita Vea? There's no question it's, uh, it's O.J. Howard. Now, if it was a stock, I'm buying Chris Godwin low, but <laughs> – O.J. Howard was a top three talent. Yep, a top three draft, top three of the draft overall, top three overall at the very least, top five. The Bucks caught a great break two years ago uh, when they picked him up, and and he fell to their spot. Uh, absolutely tremendous. I'm going with O.J. Howard. He has the ability to be one of the great, one of the best tight ends in the history of the game. He has that much ability. Uh, it's really just a matter of him staying healthy and developing along with his talent. And uh, if he can do it, uh, the Bucks are going to have a tight end for a decade or more who everybody looks to and says, we need one of those guys right there. He is one of the best. He's got the ability to be one of the best. Yeah,
0: there was definitely a trickle-down effect uh, in the draft a couple of years ago with uh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, guys like that getting drafted. I know in New Orleans, they felt like Marshawn Lattimore dropped in their lap much as the Bucks felt O.G. Howard dropped in their lap. It was that kind of draft. Yeah. All right, uh, one more in our 3 and out segment. The lighter side, our homage to Jason Light. The best dark horse of the Jason Light era, Cam Brate, Adam Humphreys, or Peyton Barber, and those are three pretty good dark horses.
2: Um, you're right. It is. Uh, boy, oh, boy. It's, I'm not going to say Peyton Barber simply because we haven't seen him star yet. Could be, though. Could he be. Could be. He could be. Um, boy, he looks good in camp, doesn't he? I mean, he's he, no, he taking off some weight. It uh, seems like maybe 10, 15 pounds, I would think, or it's repositioned or something because he looks a little bit quicker. He's tough. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. I think Adam Humphreys is already one of the better slot receivers in the game, but Cameron Bray is a guy who, I mean, he led, he, he tied for the league league among uh, tight ends in, in, in touchdown receptions a couple years ago. He, he's got a great chemistry with Jameis Winston. I'm going to go with Cameron Brake, and, and it's a bit of a toss-up between him and Adam Humphreys. It's a real tough question to answer, but I'll go with Cameron Brake just because it's usually a, bit, a little bit harder to find a, a tight end, um, and he's had to develop a little bit. But I'll go with the tight end Cameron Brake and, uh, and, and, and say that he's, he's one of the reasons the Bucs can run those two tight end schemes and uh, defenses are going to have fits against them if, uh, if they can get a quarterback and get the ball out.
0: Two things with Cam Bray. I loved it last year when he caught the touchdown pass for Fitzpatrick, and they asked Fitzpatrick, you know, what did that mean, you know, for a Harvard guy to hit another Harvard guy? And he said, well, it's the only time it's ever happened because I'm the only Harvard guy who's ever had a touchdown pass in the NFL. (laughs) And and then, you know, to me, it speaks of Cam Bray that they draft O.J. Howard, and you mentioned his upside. You mentioned the fact he was a top three player but he still goes out and has the kind of year he had last year, and he gets more money.
2: He didn't really lose a beat. In fact, he got better last year. He did. He did get better, and that's just it. Um, I don't think Cameron Braid has completely uh, uh, you know, uh, shown us everything that he's got. He's There's still another aspect to the game of, as a tight end, as a blocker, uh, being more efficient uh, as a run blocker, even a pass protector if you have to be, and I think he's still learning that part. I mean, he's got the part about – you know, catching the ball, making yards after the catch, uh, getting free in the in the red zone, and, and making plays there—he's got that down. Um, and he—and I think, you know, he's only going to get better there as well. But I mean, he's become a complete tight end. And I think there was a time when the Bucks wondered if he would be a complete tight end. I think there there were a lot of times they thought that he would just kind of be that why guy. But uh, he's he's proven that he can do everything that you ask of a tight end.
0: Well, good stuff, my friend. Uh, that is another. Contribution by our Bucks Inside Roy Cummings. We are privileged to have him on this podcast. You know, Roy, we're excited about this training camp, and I promised it in our first couple of shows on PeterPirates.com. We've really revved up our training camp coverage. We have a podcast that we didn't have a year ago, but we also have some segments that you're going to enjoy in the next couple of weeks. We have a rookie diary with MJ Stewart, who's had a great training camp so far. We're going to have a lot of one on ones with the likes of Vernon Hargraves and a lot of people who are contributors for this Buccaneer team. We're also going to have a little fun. We started taping a segment this week called Got a Minute, where we start the clock and we ask Buccaneer players as many questions as we can in a minute. And our first two are Ali Marpet and Mike Evans. So you guys stick around on pewterpirates.com for that, as well as our podcast, which we're going to have twice a week. So, Roy, I appreciate it. I'll see you this weekend, and uh, thanks for everything.
2: Looking forward to it, my friend. Thanks
0: for having me. All right, no problem. Well, that wraps up another rendition of A Few Extra Bucks, A Few Extra Bucks Takes. Uh, Please log on to our website, peterpirus.com, for everything we have going on in training camp in the coming weeks. We really appreciate our sponsor support, House of Brews in Lutz, Florida, and Sea Dog Brewing Company. We always appreciate our producer, Justin Thomas, back in our new Salt Lake City, Utah studios. I'm Mike Neighbors. Until next time, we'll see you down the road.